Hello and welcome to another episode of Sports Talk with Mitchell Gambin. You're live on the Hustler Press Play Airways. Thank you for tuning in for another week. Thank you for tuning in the last couple of weeks. It's been exciting to have your feedback and also just have regulars tune in and listen to what I have to say about the sporting world and also hear about what you have to say about the sporting world, especially with so much going on in the NBA and the NRL. Um, in the month leading up to this episode, it's been very exciting. But now, this week is going to be a bit more COVID-19 related. I don't think um, anyone expected or wants to hear anything else, really, um, just because it's of the grip it's taking on the world and the sporting world specifically. So I'm just going to go through what we have kind of got from both respective sports that I typically touch on, being the NBA and the NRL. And then I'll finish on a, a NRL round one review and a round two preview. So let's get straight into it this week. NBA. So on Thursday last week, our time in Australia, the NBA actually confirmed that Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz has coronavirus. So we initially got word that the game between the Utah Jazz and Oklahoma City Thunder had to be delayed due to Rudy Gobert sickness and they were playing precautionary just because of the fact that it could have potentially been COVID-19. They didn't think so at the time that it was. They said that it was got, it was a prior illness. However, it did turn out to be coronavirus. So the fact that they didn't play, especially as we learnt with Donovan Mitchell set to play in that game, is a good thing as he may have spread it. I know Rudy Gobert wasn't going to play that game and I don't even think he was with the team. He was in Utah or potentially, because I think it was in Oklahoma. So, lucky. It was a very, very, uh, in hindsight, a very smart move from the NBA to postpone that game as they did eventually. And then, and therefore, um, postpone the NBA season for the time being. So, after Rudy Gobert was uh, found to test positive for coronavirus, we heard not too long later, I think it was the Saturday morning, um, Friday or Saturday morning our time, that we learn about Donovan Mitchell contracting the disease and testing positive for it. So from there, I think the NBA realised the severity. It had already been postponed from that Rudy Gobert in, uh, incident. However, I think the Donovan Mitchell, um, Donovan Mitchell case just exemplified why it was a good decision for the NBA to postpone the season because we don't know who has it. And even Donovan Mitchell has said himself that he felt no symptoms at all um, leading in into his diagnosis. He still doesn't feel any symptoms. And if it wasn't for public knowledge, he knows or he thinks that no one would know that he was sick. And that's one, the positive thing of it, just because obviously it's not taking out people as much as the media may have us believe. But the scary thing about it as well is that we may not be showing for symptoms. So the people going around the world and going around their, their communities and, and and still being in the public might not know at this point that they have it and they could be transmitting it to other people. So that's a scary thing and I think the reason why the world has kind of looked at this and gone, we need to take precaution, whether it be sporting events, whether it be big social gatherings like music festivals, concerts, um, sporting events like having fans at the NRL, NBA, before it was done, um, Italian, the Italian Serie A before they postponed it, the EPL before they postponed it. So, all those, all those um, sports like soccer has been postponed. Even um, 
NBL is currently it's currently the Sydney Kings versus Perth Wildcats in the grand final series of the NBL and they're still playing just without fans so that shows you the level of precaution that most sporting codes are taking um, they're not even allowing fans to go watch their teams in a grand final which uh, otherwise would seem crazy but because of what we know and and how how easily transmittable this disease is it's it's a smart move not to to play on the uh, to actually play on the side of precaution at this time round. So on March twelfth, that was that we we officially had the NBA postponed for the time being. And when they when Adam Silver made his um, appearance on NBA on TNT with Ernie, Chuck, Shaq, and Kenny Smith, the one that brings a lot of entertainment and many highlights out of the halftime show. Well, they had a special airing of um, NBA on TNT, and they had Adam Silver on. And it was a, I think it was there, he was talking for a bit, but the main gist of what he was saying was that in 30 days we're going to reevaluate where we're at, and from there we're going to either start the season back up, which by the time 30 days passes from March 12 to to the 30 days from then would be around your early to mid-April um, and and they were optimistic that they could potentially have the season up and going by then but since then the Centre of Disease Control actually uh, sent out a recommendation to all like pretty much everyone uh, especially sporting codes event planners and whatnot they sent out a memo that it is their recommendation that any gatherings uh, that will include 50 or more people should be considered to be postponed for eight weeks. So none of that happening for eight weeks. So we don't know what's going to happen, but that's seeming like what the NBA will do. Um, as much, and and that's not just that's not just based off that. That's based off the owners starting to think that, and obviously the owners are in constant communication with the powers that be at the NBA. So once they start believing something, and they start believing that like minimum eight weeks, then it means it's closer to reality than we think, which is horrible to hear. But it's also something that if it will benefit the longevity of an NBA, all these NBA players, all the fans who would potentially show up, and it would. Uh, slow down the spread of this disease then that's something that I can at least live with just because of the fact of having to come together for this for for this better cause this humanitarian cause which is 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 putting our interests our personal interests our selfish interest aside for the betterment of uh, the human race I think in eight weeks if everything comes back like it is, you know, it'll be May, it'll be potentially June by the time we see it. But if we get it around May or June, then then that's that. And they're preparing for it. If the NBA are preparing for it, if it is going to be a reality, um, I've heard from Mavs owner Mark Cuban. He actually spoke about how he thinks when it does kick off, if it does come back in, say, May or early to mid-June, that they will potentially play the last 7 to 10 games of the regular season. So there was meant to be about anywhere between, say, 15 to 20 games for each team left uh, when the season was suspended. However, with the season starting so late, being June, starting up again in June, when it's usually NBA Finals time, 
um, they'd have to find a way to cut back a few of the games. But I do agree with Mark Cuban in terms of playing some of those regular season games with the logic being that the teams that are going to make the playoffs, you don't want to throw them straight into the playoffs. They're basketball players, they're professionals, but they're humans at the end of the day. And I think having those 7-10 to 10 regular season games will allow them to get their match fitness back to where it needs to be for a playoff push. And they're going to be well rested. So that's a positive, obviously, for once the playoffs come around. But I think having those 7-10 to 10 regular season games will allow for these players to get their legs back under them, get a feel for the game, because not many of them are used to having time off at this time of year. So I think getting those 7-10 to 10 games in, allowing the best players in the world, like your LeBrons, your Giannis's, your Kawhis, your Anthony Davis, your James Hardens, your Russell Westbrooks, all of them, even uh, not really Steph Curry. I was about to say that instinctually, but obviously the Golden State Warriors aren't going to be in the playoffs this year. So... Players like that, um, that are going to be heavily involved in the playoffs, you want them to get their legs up under them and have their match fitness going for the intense playoffs. So I think if we do kick off in about mid-June, then then that should be how it's run. They're speculating that if it is run that way, that we will finish around mid-August, which I guess is fine because then I assume they will take the side of maybe no preseason, just your training camps closer to the season and then get straight back into the 2021 season which is a good way and I think maybe that should be the argument for getting rid of preseason altogether is that why don't we just finish in June get training camp get a bit of practice scrimmages train with intensity your own teams and then maybe one preseason game where players or two like they've done well at shortening it and just getting the season underway but I think preseason games for the NBA, they're useless. Like The only games maybe that should be played are just for the fact that they've started versing overseas teams that allows both the NBA to broaden their market into different countries, but also allows those teams from different countries, including back home our NBL team, our NBL teams, allows them to test how they like where they're at in comparison to some of the best teams in the world in the NBA. And I'd say maybe they're the only preseason games we should have. Um, but yeah, everything else, I think it's useless to verse, like get a Houston Rockets to verse Charlotte Hornets in the start of October at risking. You know, they're not going to play their big plays. And if they do, they're not going to play the minutes they're meant to. So I think it's just something where let's, let's tweak that a bit. Let this year be a reminder that, okay, things are orthodox already. So why don't we just make a big change while people are susceptible to that change instead of waiting for like a two, three years down the track where everyone's comfortable again with where the NBA is at and then having to make another change. Why don't we just, whilst they're used to change and we're used to a bit of abnormality with the season being suspended, why don't we just take out that preseason altogether or just organise three or four games for each team where they're versing overseas teams and allowing that exposure to be to be beneficial for both the NBA and other teams. So that's my take on the NBA. That's also just bringing you up to speed with what's happening. Don't think there's anything else that's happening other than what I've just shared with you at this point in time. So the NBA, their hope, I don't know if they still have the 30-day window in mind where they reevaluate. I think they're starting to look towards that that mid-June to August comp. And yeah, so we'll see how that plays out. And of course, I'll, I'll, I'll bring you up to speed each week and potentially sometimes a couple of times a week if it gets a bit hectic. 
uh, with what's happening in the NBA. And you can always check on our Instagram. We'll be we'll be posting any big updates. Um, yeah, so that's the NBA. Next is the NRL. So rugby league in general as well, because I will talk about the Super League after they dropped a um, a big story today about the future of their league for the the short term. So I'll talk about the Super League before I move on to the subject after um, NRL. But for now, so what we learned from the NRL this week is that they will be continuing the season, however, without any fans in attendance from round two onwards. So from this Thursday, I think the Bulldogs versus the Cowboys, from that game onwards, there will be no fans in attendance for the near future. There's no timeline in place to get fans back in the building and there's also no guarantee that after round two, the games will continue. So Todd Greenberg and Peter Volandis are two. So Todd Greenberg is the CEO of the NRL. And then P- Peter Volandis is the chairman. So almost like Todd Greenberg is the face of the NRL. And Peter Volandis is like the head decision maker. I think that's a good way to put it. If... if anyone has any other thoughts then or, or anyone has any other information on how that works let me know but I, that's my basic understanding of how that works um so they made the decision to keep the nro up and going where it gets a bit controversial is that they did cite money problems i think they cited like they spoke about at the first press conference about the astronomical hit that the nro would take financially if they were to stop um, and, and suspend the games for a few weeks and how they wouldn't be able to to fund any stoppage in, in the NRL without revenue continually coming in, which is embarrassing to say that our National Rugby League competition doesn't have the funds available to to sustain a, anywhere between a two- to eight-week um, hiatus of the NBA, uh, of the NRL, sorry. It's it's very embarrassing to for, for our top code in the country to be saying that I have no idea about the AFL yet. I don't know what they're doing. However, if that's the NRL, our top rugby league code in the country, saying that we can't sustain a two to eight week non-revenue period and a period where there won't be fan revenue, there won't be TV. Well, actually, I don't know how the Fox Sports the Fox Sports uh, TV deal would work because I assume there would be a clause in there or something where Fox Sports would obviously continually have to pay them because they are still paying for the rights to to broadcast the game. So I don't know how that works. I'm assuming if they're panicking, then there must be something that says Fox Sports do not have to pay as long as the NRL season is not um, f- not in ad- in advance. As, as, as long as it's suspended, they don't have to pay. They're suspend- their pay is suspended too. And once again, regardless, it's embarrassing that the NRL have also had to ask the government for $200 million. Um, they're a national, like, like, I can't emphasize that enough, a national rugby league um, organization who's been around for over 100 years at this point and we don't have enough money in the system to, you know, to prepare for a two, two to eight to 12 week suspension of the league. Well, that just shows the state that the the state that we're in, and the people that are that are handling the NRL, um, at least the finances, and even even Todd Greenberg, even Peter Volandis, not so much because he's just come into the role after doing a great role, a great job with racing New South Wales or racing Australia, one or the other. Um, 
it's it's very embarrassing to to see that we're so low on cash. So hopefully the NRL figures it out, and if it ever if if it gets close to being um, unsafe for the players to play, even if there's a point nine percent chance that it becomes almost deadly for the players to play well then that's something that the nrl needs to take into account and i hope they cancel and suspend the season indefinitely if that becomes even the slightest of realities because if they keep playing due to money reasons well when they have to when they have to fight all these legal cases in three to five years because they have players who have long-term effects from from all the the maybe the the long-term effects of a coronavirus that it may have on the respiratory system of these players who are obviously fairly respiratorially, I don't even know if that's a word, but I've just created one, um, uh, drained when you're talking about being on that field and, and, and having eight interchanges. And then you factor in the fact that this is this disease is a respiratory disease um, you don't want anything out of the blue happening where then the NRL are paying out a bunch of money where they could have avoided by just, you know, taking the financial hit and saving in advance for moments like this. Um, in terms of the season continuing, well, we had an interesting interesting news revelation throughout the week, which was Warriors were pretty much held with an ultimatum, which was stay in Australia and play your games in Australia. So this is this has only been... Uh, the NRO had to make this ultimatum because of the travel ban and the lockdown and quarantine rules that were enforced by New Zealand. So if the Warriors were to go back home, they would have to be quarantined for 14 days. They would have to self-isolate and not go near um, any, anywhere near the public. Uh, and what would happen then is that obviously 14 days is about two weeks so that's two games that they miss or one game that they miss but on the bright side obviously they get to be with their family and the other side of the ultimatum was stay in Australia yeah and play your games here and you know don't go see your family of course so it was a hard one for the Warriors they've obviously as you would know now or Maybe it's news to you as I'm bringing it to you that they've decided to stay in Australia for the time being. However, they have offered no guarantee that they will be staying past their Saturday matchup versus Canberra, um, which will be played in the Gold Coast at Seabus Super Stadium, which is where the Titans' home ground is. They'll be playing it up there, but they have offered no guarantee that after that they'll be staying. And the NRL have offered no guarantee that the season is going to suspend just because the Warriors aren't playing. I think, I don't know how they're going to work it, but I assume that would come under a forfeit to the Warriors, which I find a bit unfair. Um, If one team has to suffer, then what's the point? Like, obviously, the, the case is a bit severe if... They're being quarantined for 40, 14 days, so why not just cancel the... Suspend the season, sorry. Even if it's for two weeks, just just have an indefinite cancellation of the league. Um, sorry, I keep saying cancellation. I mean suspension of the league. Even if it's for 14 days, and then when the Warriors are ready to back and going, who knows what the coronavirus situation will be at. Maybe it'll become more of a... a um, a easier to handle situation because as we've seen like China have gotten through it um, and, and they're on the other end now most of their big retail stores are opening up I'm sure in the next couple of weeks we'll see that Italy has gotten through it potentially 
The only reason I say potentially is because they have such a large population in a small area and they also have an aging population so we don't know how quick. That might be a rare case of people doing more harm than good with the coronavirus. That might be a, um, a, a example of how bad the coronavirus can get when exposed to people of age or people with respiratory problems or in tight spaces. So we'll see how that goes, but my, my take is that why would you continue the league if it's something out of the Warriors' control where they want to go home, they want to see their families. I think Peter Hiku has a has his wife, um, his pregnant wife at home who's due in two weeks. So really, if they're, the way it's looking at the moment, if they play on Saturday and go home, well, I don't know what's going to happen in terms of... I don't know what's going to happen in terms of the players actually being able to be with their family. I assume they will be. I think self-quarantine means just away from from pretty much everyone except for, for close family members. But at the same time, it does make sense if they can't see their family. So we'll have to we'll have to see how that plays out. And I think it's unfair. I think maybe if the Warriors have sacrificed for a whole week and then they decide to go home, um, you should just suspend the NRL for the time being, follow suit for the rest of the world, uh, from the rest of the world, and and just reevaluate re in 14 days and see where we're at. See if see if it's even a, a pandemic anymore. See if it's settled down a bit in our part of the world, and then you can just get kick started. Bring the fans back in. You know, take precaution, but obviously, um, yeah, just it, it's something that that is going to be closely monitored and there's going to be decisions that have to be made that we're not all going to agree with and I'm I'm ready for that uh, but I think the NRL it's a bit harsh to say we're going to continue the season without the Warriors just because they chose to go home um, to their families and to their the country that most of them live in um, it, throughout this scary time you can't blame them for wanting to go home They most of them are are family men ones that aren't probably have family that live in New Zealand um, that they would like to be with in this trying time you never know who in their family is affected with it who they need to look after who may be affected with it or having other illnesses unrelated to the to the um, to the coronavirus which is a point that someone made to me and I'm I'm um, reiterating it here which is like the world doesn't just stop here like people are still going to be be cancer struck people are still going to have other illnesses heart attacks um whatnot so when we um when we look at that i think it's 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 also bigger than sport at this point so um yeah, I think it's something that should be monitored and also taken into consideration before we we out these sports stars for, you know, putting their family, which no one, no one in the world in any sport, any career should be ever be, um, ever be faulted for, is putting their families before, you know, a career that will be over in in fifteen to twenty years, if that. Um, it's something that we need to offer that support to them for, and and the NRL, the way they should. Can show their support is by suspending the league, even if it's for a couple of weeks. I know it's painful for sports fans, but we can get our fix through highlights. There's so much technology out there nowadays. You know, there's video games that simulate what the real life thing is like. There's work. There's all these different things that you can do to fill time. Just pretend it's the off season all at the same time. I think it's more important than you know 
these footy players or uh, NBA players struggling with mental health issues and whatnot or just um, uh, uh, absorbent amounts of stress just because they have chosen to put their career over their family, which is a tough decision and something that the Warriors should be commended for, for even doing for a week. So my shout-out goes to the Warriors. Um, bunch of bunch of good blokes, obviously a tight-knit team if they've chosen to stay here. And Stephen Kearney, hopefully he can turn their season around because they do seem to have a family orientation down there. And... Um, over there, sorry, and yeah, so, also, what's happening, um, yeah, so, other than that, really, the players, based on the players, there's been mixed signals on, on if they're keen to play or not, I know I saw a Chad Townsend tweet, um, saying that he's happy to play as long as it's safe, but he hopes that the NRL are always operating with a player-first mentality, which is the player's safety at the forefront of their mind. I agree with that, and also I heard Cameron Smith wanted to suspend the season straight away as soon as this epidemic um, became bigger than bigger than sports and, and other sporting codes around the world were shutting down. I think Cameron Smith jumped on that that chain of thought, which is just suspend it for now, be on the side of precaution. You never know what could happen, and you really, like the NRO, they don't want to be responsible for anything bad happening if it does to their players. So, yeah, um, I think you can understand both sides of that reasoning. You can understand wanting to play on if it's in the, if the players are safe. However, you can also understand players wanting to be with their families in this time where anxiety is at its highest because of the the um, uncertainty of this disease and just finishing on the the COVID-19 uh, epidemic or pandemic whatever it's called um rugby league wise super league so the the top tier league in England um the top top tier rugby league league association in England has suspended play until April 3rd now that's a date we're looking at a lot and seeing a lot I'm not too sure why but I'm assuming it's just a date where where there's been mutual agreement like the EPL is not going to check until uh not not reevaluate the decision until then um obviously now the Super League in the UK is not going to check it till then I think it's, uh, all the competitions in Italy are not gonna not gonna reevaluate till then. So it's a date that that most most um, sporting codes are circling on their calendar to say, look, we'll reevaluate then, see what's happening around the world with this. Um, but yeah, so so that'll be interesting to see. So that is suspended until the April third, um, and from there we'll get a better idea of what's going to happen going forward, not in, just in the Super League but also in other leagues around the world. So. And potentially the NRL by then. Who knows what happens in the next day, let alone three weeks. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, so now let's go to an NRL round one review. So it was very, very exciting, but also underwhelming in some games. Um, start to the season. I think the first thing I want to say as a Knights fan is that I'm very excited that we're on top of the ladder, but I do understand it's a for and against thing at this point. Eight teams had to win, so there was a like there was a high chance that one of these teams, who may not even be there in the in in September in the finals, would be on top of the ladder at this time of year. And so I'm not getting my hopes up, especially because of our 
of the night's um, tendency to have a good week and then have a bad week and then have a good week and then have a bad six weeks and then have a good four weeks and then so I'm not I'm not looking ahead too much at this point but I will say that we did play very well although the Warriors did play quite bad and it was really good to see Pierce and and Ponga connect the way they did and Ponga just looked a bit more in control and looked like the game was coming slower to him and then you've got players like Saifidi, both the Saifidi boys, but Daniel Saifidi looked like that Origin uh, debut last year has just lit in the fire under him where he wants more of it. He wants to take his level of play further. And as a Knights fan, that's exciting because we haven't had a good forward um, combination for a long time. So probably since like his Steve Simpson days. And so that's exciting. And also having Jaden Braley in the hooker role, he played very well, controlled the game very well. Uh, set up set up that trial when he when he got out of the tackle and found Mitchell Pierce who found uh, who found oh, what's his name fuck me dead um, Kalen Ponga off the boot um, so if we can if we can you know fo- uh, gr- mold this young man Jaden Bailey Braley into a generational hooker then that's something exciting up in in Newcastle another game that uh, a game that was actually underwhelming was Para and Bulldogs. So that was a start of they pretty much kicked off the season. So on the Thursday night, the eight o'clock game, and what we learned from that was that both teams didn't really like Parramatta didn't really win, they just didn't lose. Although both teams had their moments where they looked good. I like Lachlan Lewis. I think he's gonna be the reason Bulldogs can be an underdog uh, in this year's competition. Um, Parramatta obviously looking quite decent Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown ran the game quite well could have done better I think if it's against a Melbourne or a, or a Sydney Roosters against that game they get flogged however Bulldogs are a young team trying to find their way um, but as a Parramatta fan you'll take that win because they're the games that the good teams win they're the games that your Melbournes and your Sharks when they're on the top of their game and your Rabbits and your and your roosters and and whatnot, um, they're, they're the games they win, because those games are always no matter who, how good the team is, one team is and how bad one team is. Those type of games are always fifty fifty games. One core could sway it one way and vice versa. So being able to win those games, they they add up at the end of the year. Parramatta, I'm sure they'll be a lot better this week, especially against a weaker opponent in the Titans. So. Being able to come into that with a win, a scrappy win at that, but a win nonetheless, you'd take that as a Parramatta supporter. And I think both their seasons will go quite well this year. I see Para in that top eight, potentially a top four. I see Bulldogs scraping into the eight in best-case scenario, nothing higher than that, and I don't think they'll put too much pressure on in the finals. However, I do see them being a, a decently solid team, that mediocre team that has a chance to slip into the finals if everything works out. So, yeah, that was underwhelming to say the least. However, I think it's only up from here for both those teams. So if that's a first round kind of game, then then they're both they're both going to um, be better as the, as the season goes on. Then there was also another point that I wanted to bring up was about how Manly showed they're going to be competitive. So it's never easy to hold fort and not not let Melbourne uh, completely blow you out of the game. Uh, Manly were a really good opponent against Melbourne on Sunday afternoon. They showed that they have 
potential to be a great team this year, that they're going to be up there again, that last year wasn't just a fluke, that they're a good team. And I think if they can turn that, say, 60-minute performance into an 80-minute performance more consistently, then they're a team that's going to be scary. They're they're an underdog in the finals. They could make a grand final with the team they have. It's just about putting it together for that 80 minutes because as we've seen, Melbourne, as usual, showed out showed that they grind out their wins. So they're not going to flog you. They are. like There's going to be some floggings here and there, but it's rare. It's I wouldn't say rare, but it's unusual for the Melbourne Storm to flog a team except, the, except for the Parramatta Eagles because they seem to have their number. Um, but, yeah, Melbourne typically grind out those wins and are happy to do so. They're comfortable only with a four-point lead. They don't panic if it's four-point. They view a four-point lead as if it's a 28-point 20, lead. Whereas you, you, you see the difference in teams, like, say, even my Newcastle Knights, where you could have a 12-point lead and I would be as, like, uh, I was I would feel as unconfident as if we were out, if we were down ten, because of the way that we're able to easily give it up, and obviously you've got your Titans and Bulldogs and whatnot who can have a lead and then lose it so easily, but Melbourne a four point lead even a two point lead to them is like they might as well be up thirty because of the way they're so composed, and of course they lose from behind every now and then, but it's very rare and they're just a great team. And they've shown that uh, this year is no different. They just seem like they're all cohesive. They know each other. They they all like each other on that team. Uh, Munster and Pappenhausen, uh, uh, probably the future of that team. You know, you got Jerome Hughes, who is looking more comfortable every single day as a halfback as opposed to being a fullback. Um, Vunivalu is just a speedster and so so lethal on that wing, you know, if um, Munster or, or Jerome Hughes ever need a, even Cameron Smith ever put it on foot, he's always at risk to a risk to the opposite, opposing team um, of of chasing it down and, and scoring from nothing. So they just look as strong as usual. It's it's crazy to think because we always wonder when are they going to fall, but they never do. So whew, it's going to be exciting to watch the rest of the season and see where Melbourne end up. I can't see them. Uh, I can't see them going lower than a second position. It's either first or second for them, and if if, if it's any indication, the based on round one performances, and they could well and easily take out the minor premiership. Next question is just how long before Dragons sack Paul McGregor? Honestly, I don't. Th- with the team that the Dragons have, they should. It, probably not a grand final appearance under Paul McGregor, but they should at least be a perennial. Um, perennial and consistent finals team. They should be there every year. There's no doubt about it. And of course, they find their way in here and there, and they do some damage when they're in there every now and then. But it's not good enough for a team that has the likes of your Ben Hunt, Corey Norman, um, last year and the few years before that, Gareth Whitup. Um, you've got your youngsters in in your Zach Lomax, in your, your Tristan Sailors, and your Jason Saabs. Um, and then just your consistent players all around. Obviously, not so much anymore in Jack DeBellin, but he was a very good player who held the glue together for those teams, but they still couldn't find a way to be consistent with Jack DeBellin. And then they just have a forward pack that's that's reckoning. You know, James Graham being an international forward um, and a couple of their other players. I think Tarek Sims, you got... Oh, what's his name? Um, the guy, the guy who has one nut because of what happened at New South Wales camp. Um, 
Tyson Frizzell, like he's a representative forward. And then you've just got players all along. Um, Cameron McInnes when he's healthy. Like all these players, Matt Dufty, who's a speed, uh, not a speed, sorry, just a, a elusive player who who can light up the um, light up any play and, and has shown on multiple occasions that he can score a really good solo try. So they have the team to be able to be competitive, but I just think they don't have the leadership in that team. No one's really taken on that leadership role, as, and I'm sure people closer to the source can probably allude to something either similar or different, but it just doesn't seem from the outside looking in that any leadership role has been taking, taken and any coaching... Um, I don't think that I think there's respect for Paul McGregor, but I just don't think maybe there's too much respect for him where they just like, okay, we respect you and we're going to give you that respect, but but when we're not really going it, to, it's we're comfortable. We know you're not going to, you know, we know we know you're not going to light a fire under us, un, up under us. But that's where I think that Shane Flanagan addition will be good because if Paul McGregor does falter and has another horrible season well then you've got a proven coach in the in the in the lineup as an assistant coach you can easily take over um, Paul McGregor and will potentially be a better fitting for the Dragons just because of his ability uh, as a coach and he seems like he he holds good relationships with his players Um, case in point his time with the Cronulla Sharks I think I think they all loved him there and yeah, he's been to a he's been to a premiership. He's won a premiership. I think as a player, he was fairly decent, and and having someone like that at least that's something that positive that the Dragons fans can hold on to because McGregor. It's looking like another bad season. If if their game against Tigers is any indication, they just have such a good team on paper. But they're like the Warriors. A paper team doesn't win championships, and and the Dragons and Warriors have been have been case in point for that. So. Um, I think he should get the sack sooner rather than later. I think pull the band-aid off quickly. If you're the Dragons, you've given him more than enough time. I think if their season is anything less than than five, like they need to win the next four games and be four and one, and then and then consistently build on the year for Paul McGregor to be safe. I don't think even a, a eighth spot finish is is good for Paul McGregor. I think he needs to show that with the team he's got, he can light a fire up under him and make them um, consistent premiership threats. So, yeah, I just think... I I just don't think he has long left, and I think it's good that way because he shouldn't shouldn't really be given to that many chances, and I think he knows as well that he's pretty safe there. At least he has been pretty safe there. Otherwise, he would have tried some things to make the team better, but he just seems like he's comfortable and he's, he's had too much reassurance from people around him that he's never going to lose that job. And it seems like he's never going to lose that job. But I think with Shane Flanagan, maybe they've made the smart um, chess move, which is uh, getting a proven coach in the ranks whilst he's suspended. And then once Shane Flanagan is able to coach, they may get rid of Mary McGregor and he may become, say, an assistant coach because they do seem to love him. I think he is a Dragons boy from his playing days and he's always been around him, so they could give offer him another position in the club. But I think head coach, at least at the St. George Dragons, where he is renowned and loved, I think he needs to go somewhere where he needs to prove himself as that shows that sometimes players, players who played at a club do better outside of that club just because they don't feel like they've proved themselves. They need to prove themselves. And some of the best things happen when people are proving themselves, especially in sporting arenas. Um, Penrith may actually finally live up to their expectations. Now, obviously, one game, 
Um, I know I'm saying round one can either be an indication of a team's year or it can also just be too small a sample size to read into too much. But Penrith, Penrith, the last four years, five years, 12-0 down against minor uh, back-to-back premiers going for their third premiership um, this year. Penrith in the future would have lost it, uh, in the past, sorry, would have lost that game. Uh, they would have been down 12-0 and they might have made a bit of a comeback, but nothing like they did where they actually hold on to it and win. It was good to see them come out with the win, not because I want to see the Roosters lose, but just because Penrith have been so hopeful and had so many high expectations for so long. And now seeing that they are able to start the season on a high and not be on the back foot from the get-go and play catch-up, that we'll actually might be able to see the best of them because they're not worrying about actually just making the eight. They're actually worrying about for, uh, they're worrying about cementing that spot in the top eight. And they're not like they can they can relax a bit. And I don't mean relax in a bad way where they rest on their laurels, but just relax in a sense that they're not worried about catching up. And we've got to win seven from eight to be any chance and all that, which is usually the case with. You know, you, you talk to Penrith fans and they're giving you all the stats and the mathematics on how they can make the eight. This year, I bet they're all hoping that that round one, uh, round one fixture was a a um, sign of what's to come, so that they don't have to be mathematicians this year. They can actually just be, uh, they can just focus on the footy, focus on you know cementing a spot in that top four, focus on a finals run where they should have been because they have the team. They have the culture, it seems, now that um, all, the, all the toxicity has gone and you've got a father-son combo in Ivan Cleary and Nathan Cleary, who is a game-changer. Uh, he seems happy with his dad there. And, and the team around him is, is extremely um, solid as well. On the same game, don't panic, Roosters fans. I don't think they would be. They know that the regular season, it's kind of like whatever team LeBron is at in the NBA, the Roosters are the same. The regular season... They don't really care if they don't become uh, don't come minor premiers. That's what I was saying. I think last week when I was talking about the preview, I can see them getting the minor premiership this year, but I'll happily be wrong because I know they don't take the regular season as serious as say a Newcastle or a Parramatta or a Cowboys or a Broncos, a team that's still proving themselves. I think the Roosters are so comfortable knowing that round twenty, round one to round twenty five is just warm up for the big dance in terms of the finals. So. Obviously, you don't want to rest too much on your laurels because every every great dynasty eventually comes down. But I think the Roosters are still at that extraordinary point of their um, of their dynasty where they've still got a couple more premierships in them. And this year, I can't see them losing it. However, um, yeah, it was a bit worrying that they were giving up a lead like that. But it is early days, and I think the Roosters typically take a bit of time to get in their flow. And, and they'll have some ups and downs throughout the season and people will start saying, is this the year we see the end of the Roosters? But they always seem to, to make that top four and, and do a good push, if not make the grand final. I mean, if not win the grand final, at least make it. So don't panic, Roosters friends. I'm sure you're not sipping on your lattes on those Bondi Iceberg cafes. However, if you are, don't because the, the Roosters are going to be... A, a top four team again this year and they're going to be there at least one of the last four teams left in the competition and they're they're as 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 likely a a, a um grand final spot as any team in the in the competition even more than melbourne per se because melbourne do tend to falter at the end of the year so don't panic Chris's fans 
um, understand that you guys are a all-year team. You look at the regular season typically as practice and and um, and, and pretty much match fitness for for the finals. So you've got nothing to worry about. Now on to the round two preview. So this week we've got Thursday. Um, Thursday night game is the Bulldogs and Cowboys at ANZ Stadium. I'm pretty sure. I know it's a Bulldogs home game, but I'm pretty certain. I might pull it up if I've got it here still. Yeah, so it's ANZ Stadium um, where they'll be playing this year. Uh, this week, sorry. I like the Bulldogs in that one, although I did... I did like what I saw from the Cowboys last week. I just think the Bulldogs are an underrated team, and I don't think teams respect them as much as they should yet. Even though they finished the season strong last week, I do see the Bulldogs being uh, last year. Sorry, I do see the Bulldogs coming out um, this this week as a as a winner, just because I wouldn't say home field advantage. Just there's no fans, so it's hard to kind of um, justify any home field advantage other than the travel, which players this time, like this time of year, it's nothing to them. It's just a trip down to, to Sydney. So I do think Bulldogs are just a better team in this case. It, it sounds weird saying that because of how, how miserable they've been as a team over the last four years. However, I think a Lachlan Lewis team, I think he's starting to get comfortable in the NRL. He's obviously always going to, have that small shadow of Wally Lewis, his uncle, but I think it's better than it being his dad, so I don't think it's over him that much. I think, if anything, it heightens him. He likes he likes having those shoes to fill and proving himself, so, so I think the Bulldogs will be good. I think they'll build upon their game against the Cowboys last week, and I think now they're two weeks removed from that situation with Jaden Ockenbaugh and Corey Howeer and I, so I think... Yeah, I just I'm pretty positive the Bulldogs will come out. I'll be tipping them for sure. And I'm saying here that I'll tip them too. Um, I'll put that on paper. And then Friday night we've got the six o'clock game, which is Dragons versus Panthers. I can't see the Panthers losing this, even though it's down at uh, Netstrata Win Jubilee Oval. I just think the worry uh, the the Dragons showed last week that they don't really have a home field advantage. It's just whatever team shows up on the day. Of course, if the team shows up that we think will show up, that the team that is on paper uh, shows up, then the Dragons can go with any team in the comp. But I just I think if you look at it logically and you actually um, think about the nuance involved, I just there's no way that Penrith are going to lose this game. I building upon last week as well, beating the minor premiers to start your season, that's a massive confidence boost. So I'll be picking the Penrith Panthers in this game. I just think that Nathan Cleary, um, being the man of the team now that James Maloney is gone, I think you can't really go past them, especially against an opponent like the Dragons, who are probably going to have another miserable season. Then you've got the game of the round, Broncos versus Rabbitohs up at Suncorp Stadium, a game that would have easily gotten 40,000 fans. Obviously won't this week because of the fan lockout due to the COVID-19 crisis. I do like the Rabbits in this one, although the, um, the Broncos showed some ticker last week getting a tough win against uh, Cowboys. And they also will be a bit less in, less strength, uh, lesser strength, less strengthened with the um, the subtraction of Tavita Pangai Jr., who copped a four-game match uh, ban because of his shoulder charge on Justin O'Neill or the, the high tackle or whatever you'd call it. It was pretty, pretty hard to watch seeing the way he dropped that shoulder into his head, especially how we've seen 
incidents like that play out in the past and what we know about head head knocks now. Um, I think he deserved that four weeks. I think last season he was out for the first few weeks because of suspension as well. So so that's that's nothing new. Um, Tevita Pangai has those tendencies in his games. Obviously, he's a very exciting player, so the sooner he's back, the better. But no one's no one's exempt from from the judiciary. I, I like I like the rabbits in that game. Um, they they finished slow against the sharks like last week, but I think that'll be a turning point for them, knowing that they are beatable, um, that they can't just walk into a win now that they've added Latrell Mitchell to an already already um, top tier side. They they're not just going to walk into these wins. So I think Wayne Bennett will be up under him. He seems to have a good culture there at the Souths. And I think another game in for Latrell Mitchell. He won't play amazing just because he's he's still adjusting. But I think he'll be good enough. And the rest of the Rabbitohs, Adam Reynolds, Cameron Murray, um, Dan Gagai, all, all all those key integral pieces. Even Thomas Burgess is stepping out now that he's stepping up now that he's the main the main um, Burgess on that team. Uh, I think he'll show us that he's actually that he's actually not just living in his brother's footsteps. He's actually carving his own. So I can see the Rabbits winning that in a close one. It's going to be an exciting game. Um, and then what have we got? We've got Saturday. So obviously three games that day, starting with Warriors versus Raiders. No real home field advantage in this just because the Warriors are playing in Gold Coast, as I said earlier in the podcast. They are going to be... Um, well, they're going to be full strength, but you just don't know how much the off-field stuff takes a toll on them. Obviously, they've been away from their families physically for a week at this point, or two weeks, because they were in Sydney last week, or Newcastle versing the Knights. So they haven't been home since then. Um, and, and you just don't know how it's going to play out. Of course, you think they, with that, that mentality they've probably adopted, which is we're a team, we're, we're getting through this together as a team, it may serve as a positive thing where they're actually going to use that to their advantage and, and build off that, but it could go the other way as well, which is where they, they just falter and they're just so emotionally worn down that they can't, they can't, they can't um, garner up any more emotion for the game. So I wouldn't be surprised if Warriors win, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they get flogged by a good team in the Canberra Raiders. I like the Raiders. I like the way they played last week. Obviously, an easy opponent to start the season in the Gold Coast Titans. 24-6, they won quite comfortably. Jack Wyden's looking like he's got another another step under him um, and, and very comfortable in that 5-8th position. I heard he's gunning. Uh, Ricky Stewart said he was gunning for a representative, like an Australian-level um, representation in that 5-8 position. So he's got another g- goal to achieve. So he's not just resting on his laurels. He's got that goal in mind. I like Canberra in this one. I'm probably going to say Canberra just to be on the safe side. But, you know, don't at me if they don't win because Warriors could use the emotional stress they've faced this week and, and garner that into a positive performance and, and get a win. Uh, a upset, it would be considered an upset win against the Raiders. And then we've got a, a very exciting game, the 5.30 game on Saturday, Roosters versus Manly. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much on this one just because it's a very good game, but I just think it's going to be um, it's going to be a a a very close game. I don't really want to read into it too much. There's not much to read into other than I just will go Roosters because it's going to. I think they've changed this game from Central Coast Stadium to Leichhardt Stadium, um, and I just think the Roosters might be too good. Manly, of course, showed last week that they're capable capable to go for 60 minutes against Melbourne. If they can turn that into an 80-minute performance, then they might 
beat the uh, Roosters, but I think the Roosters, they barely lose back-to-back games. So I think I'm going to take the Roosters and the Roosters by 8-10. to 10. I think they'll just show Manly like you've got another step to take to be a premiership-level team. Then to finish off Saturday, uh, Super Saturday, you've got Sharks vs Storm, which is always a very good, uh, exciting encounter, especially since that 2016 match, um, the grand final where the Sharks came out on top. I like the Sharks in this one, but I can't go past the Storm. I just, I might, I might tip Sharks in this almost because it is a safe, a safe risk. It's a safer risk in in relation to. Uh, Storm versus any other team. They seem to struggle against the Sharks. Sharks seem to have the Storm's number. So I don't know if that'll be the same case this week. Obviously, every every uh, cold streak eventually ends. But I'm going to tip the Sharks just because I think it'll help me in tipping comps. Get one ahead if they do win. And I don't think it will be that, that hard to swallow if they do lose because they're expected to win. Then to finish off the round, we've got Sunday games. So Tigers versus the Knights. Um, Tigers home game for that one. As a Knights supporter, I'm not optimistic. However, I think if we're serious about the title this year, these are the games that you should win against a team that's going to be around that 6-10 to 10 mark. You should be, able, with us wanting to be, say, that 1-6 to six mark, we want to be able to win these games away from home where we should be able to grind them out like the Storm did last week against Manly away from home. So I'm optimistic in the sense that I'm hoping this year is a year that we take that further step and become a premiership team that wins the games they're supposed to and grinds out the games that are at 50-50. But at the same time, the way Tigers played last week and having Benji Marshall play so hard for them and um, be obviously probably one of the oldest man, men on the paddock um, it's, it's hard to go past the Tigers too. I'm going to tip the Knights just because I'm tipping with my heart, but I, I wouldn't take me for data on any Knights games because I'll always tip them and I'll always um, I'll always find the optimistic side even even though I, I feel quite pessimistic given the, the sample size we have from the last couple seasons. Then we're going to finish with a underwhelming game, a game that I think will be finished quite easily, uh, quite early as well. We'll have a decided uh, a, a winner in this Titans versus Eels albeit it'll be up in Gold Coast but Gold Coast have shown they're not that great at home it doesn't make much of a difference and of course they don't have a seat uh, don't have fans so again it's only just like the players are making a trip up to the Gold Coast and then and then it's um, it's on from there so in terms of that, I think Para will put 20 or 30 points on them. I don't think they'll give up much. I think it'll be a similar game to how they were uh, Titans against Canberra last week where Canberra were just in control the whole game. Titans might not even score a point, but I think Para they'll show that they're not just a, they're not just a defensive team. They've also got that, that uh, startling attack that will, that will sh- send shivers down the spines of, of any team, really. So I think the Titans will feel that force, especially with Para having something to prove after last week's underwhelming start. Uh, I can't see Para not winning by 13-plus in this one. So I'd tip Para. I'm definitely going to tip Para in my tipping comps this week. And, and yeah, so um, I just, yeah, I, I have no optimism about the Titans until they prove me different. Uh, until they prove me wrong, I will happily be tipping against them, especially with a team who's as star-studded and as solid as Parramatta. Um, I don't see them losing. So, yeah, so that's my round two preview. Um, hope I helped you with your tips. Uh, hope you enjoyed this episode of Sports Talk. It's been a bit longer today just as we delve into the COVID crisis and how it's taking over um, all the respective sports. 
but uh yeah have your say give me your feedback as always it it means the world to me i love your feedback tell me what you love about the show tell me what you think could use some working on um if you know anyone who wants to come on the podcast who has something to say if it's you if it's your friend if it's someone you know if you have links to someone in the league if you have links to anything give me a give me a dm um dm us on hustler and we can we can talk about it we can maybe get someone on here talk with me about about different sports you know nrl nba even sports that i don't know so keep the feedback coming in um thank you for tuning in for another week of sports talk and as usual um i'm not right i'm not wrong it's just my opinion so thank you and i'll see you again next week thanks for tuning in this is hustler press play airways sports talk for another week